Hello everyone, I am here today with Irma Peñignori. How are you Irma? I'm great, thank you for having me today. Your space is so beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you here. We've met before, we've done a couple of things together, but I don't really know like a lot about your story and how you got to where you are and you actually are super accomplished. You have a PhD, you're an influencer, you're doing great things, you're helping other people. So I really want to dive into your story and just hear like about how you got there. Well, um, this, I'm 34 years old, so it's a really long story. I feel yeah. like our stories start from like we're, us being kids. Yes. Um, but uh, education side, um, I have a bachelor's in political science. So I worked in politics for a long time. Um, I actually worked... For the Republican Party, I worked on the McCain campaign, Arnold wow. Schwarzenegger, Matt Whitman, um, and then once the Republicans lost, I went into getting a master's. I got a master's in management, business management, and then I got my PhD in organizational leadership. Um, and yeah, I finished everything before the age of 30, but it wasn't on coincidence. I, um, I think that uh, my upbringing has a lot to do with everything. I think that I... I'm a very observant of people and I would always, when I was younger, ask them like, what did you do to get here? Mm -hmm. And what, how did you finish this? And all my parents are doctors, physicians, and they all finish, you know, if you go to school and become a doctor, you finish mm -hmm. when you're 28, 30, and that's if you go straight through. So I made, I made a goal that I was going to finish as much education as I could before 30 because once in your 30s, people take you more seriously, I felt. And in my <laughs> 20s, it was like... Yeah, I could have really cool jobs, but I wanted to be really uh, prepared for the workforce. So um, with no specific goal set in mind, I just went through school for 10 years after high school. So that's the beginning. And then... So um, I'm going to stop you right there yes. because I feel like you say it like, so like, just like, yeah, I just had like this MA and like this uh, PhD and it is amazing. However, I imagine that along the way, you probably face some challenges. Yes. So what are some of maybe like one or two challenges that you face going to school, you know, and I think also going to school in our generation is different than like past generations. So yeah. even though like your parents went to school and are doctors, I feel like it was a lot more affordable and easier as well to go to school. So I want to hear a little bit about your journey with education. So... I'm I'm full Mexican, and I, one thing that I love about the U.S. is there's so many resources to go to school. I'm a very glass half full kind of person, and quickly I realized when I was in high school, like they're like sign the FAFSA, do this, do that. I started realizing there's so many resources to even get school for free. So I actually um, I I found that the hardest part about school is figuring it out here. Because mm -hmm. I know that in other countries, you say, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a nurse, I want to be an attorney, I want to do, and you go to a career and that's it. And here, they put you into, to in, my, in my head, that's how I was when I was that age. You're going into school for four years and you have to figure out a major and a minor. <laughs> and then once you finish, like, where do you get your job? It was just very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that one of the hardest parts of going to school is finishing it without really knowing the end point. And I feel like we're in a country where there's so many choices, but I think that that also blinds us. Mm -hmm. So um, that was difficult, but I'll, I think the number one difficult thing that I've gone through in my entire career in school is that every single time I, I did something, I was told I couldn't do the next. So I, when I finished my bachelor's, I applied to grad school and basically everyone told me, you're not gonna get in, you can't go to grad wow. school. And then when I finished grad school, they're like, why would you do a PhD? Like, you don't even you need, need it. it. Yeah. And also, you're not going to get in. Um, so I think that t people telling me not to do something has been, like, my biggest struggle. And I think that if your friends or random people tell you it's hard, but my own family was like, what are you doing? Wow. This is crazy. My, um, I was married at the time. My husband would tell me at the time, was like, no, you shouldn't go to school. Mm -hmm. You can't do it. And... Obviously, if I tell you now, and it sounds so easy, yes, do it. Yeah. You, know, you can do anything. <laughs> yeah. But in the moment, I think being young and in my 20s, I think that was the hardest thing I had to deal with is being told I couldn't do things. And 
because of the way I acted and I looked, people thinking like, why don't you just do this? Or, you know, kind of dim- mm-hmm. minimi- minimizing me, I guess you yeah. could say. Just Or like even the stereotypes. Yeah, the right? stereotypes. Like, like, we've oh, talked about that before. Girl. You could go yeah. and do, be a model or do something else, whatever, right? Yes. So I think we women have a lot of those stereotypes. And also even like being married, right? Like, oh, you're already married. Like, yes. why? You don't need to go to school mm-hmm. or like... Maybe the men things like, oh, I can support you. Why do you need education? I myself have been through a similar experience, so I've heard it. Um, so what made you be like, okay, because I, I imagine it was kind of like a struggle in your head for a time. I don't know however long of asking yourself, should I do it or not do it? Whether that was a day, an hour, a month, whatever. So what made you be like, no, like I'm going to do it anyway? You know, I've never, I I think you're the only person I've talked to about this and we've talked about being Latina or being Mm -hmm. even a cute girl. Like they have a saying in Spanish, say, la suerte de la fea, la la bonita lo desea. Mm -hmm. And it sounds, and I'm not complaining, but I think that when my 20s, I'm not going to lie, I was very cute and I was very into fashion and Mm -hmm. I did not give out the master's PhD. I study every weekend vibe. Um, I didn't talk about it to people. I don't, even to this day, I don't sit there and talk about the books I read. I don't know. I'm just, I like being, talking about fashion and about Mm -hmm. things that don't matter. I don't know. That's just how I am. So I think that what made me keep pushing is that when I was younger, I wasn't so cute and I think that I had to rely on my my intelligence for a lot of things and I think that stuck with me and I also watched I also would read a lot about celebrities and like famous people and politicians and people that have achieved something and I felt like my looks were not like a longevity type thing like I thought oh that's cool I'm cute but mm-hmm. what does that really mean like unless I became Kim Kardashian or had some sort of career you know what I mean like it Please was don't. like to me it was like to me it was like okay well like I'm married and I'm cute but like when I'm 50 or 60 right what does that mean what does that mean mm-hmm. and to me um I know that this I feel like this generation loves like social media and power and the way they feel but I'm a little bit old school in that if it's not really going to generate money, I don't really see, I mean, I have to be happy, but I don't really see the purpose in giving it that much energy. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was like, I mean, are people going to give me money when I'm 60 and I'm cute or something? You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, what does this even mean? So I'm, I, I think that I, the reason I kept going is because despite everyone telling me something, I felt like I can do it, you know, mm-hmm. and I almost wanted to prove everyone wrong and... Mm-hmm. And I feel, you know, I feel more fulfilled. So it was actually, in a way, an encouragement, too, yes, right? It, yes. A drive to yes, be like, well, let me show you. Yes. I love that. I yeah. love that. And I think as you were talking, I was thinking to, like, a box, right? Like, I feel like sometimes people want to fit people into a box. Mm-hmm. And so we think, oh, if you're pretty, you can't do this. Or if you're nerdy, you can't be pretty, too. Mm-hmm. Like, all these things. Like, I myself, I'm an intellectual. I love to read. I'm a nerd. I've always been a nerd my entire life. Sometimes I look like a nerd. Sometimes I don't. And then sometimes people are like, oh. So I totally understand that. And I think something that I would like to point out for the people listening is that we don't have to fit into a mm-hmm. box, right? We can be whatever the heck we want to be. We can be pretty and love the books and we can go to law school or we can just stay at home and be a mom if we want to. And if that's what makes us happy, that's perfect. Then you found your own success. So that I know you can be all of it, right? Like you're yeah. a mom and you were married and you've gone to school and you're an influencer. Mm-hmm. So really, I think something that I do want to point out and your journey really shows us that is that we don't have to fit into a box and we don't have to fit people's expectations of what our life is supposed to look like. So yeah. I really love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I'm going to let you get to it because like, okay, so you went to school and then what happened? Like how do you, because you're not doing what, you know, the typical thing that like a PhD person does, yeah. right? <laughs> so I remember when I was getting my, I was going to school, I, I was the youngest person in school and it, my my ex-husband had, we've had, we had all these issues. I, I, he's a great person, but he gave me a very nice gift, a, car, a very nice car as a gift, as a sorry gift at the time. So I remember having to park my car far away so nobody would see me parking, try to look ugly to go to class. Wow. I remember doing that. And and wow. and and it's and 
And it's still, like, when we would have circle time, people would say, like, your work experience. I was always like, oh, now we're, Irma's, like, with zero work experience, mm-hmm. so she's 27. Like, what is she going to really talk about? Because right. everybody else is, like, a CEO or mm-hmm. went to the, you know, was some sort of general in the Navy. And yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that I finished that and I felt accomplished. I got a divorce, which um, to my family was like, what are you doing? And um, I actually decided not to go into the workforce. And I decided that with my savings, I was going to start a fashion brand. <laughs> All this 10 years of education yeah. of, and working at a, I had a, a corporate job. Mm-hmm. I was a director of a university for me to decide, just kidding, I'm just going to start like a, fra- a fashion brand. So imagine my family and my friends, they were like, are you going through some sort of life crisis? Wow. And how old were you here? Like 29, 30. Okay. I was 29. I was about to turn 30. Okay. And I was like, but in my head, I was like, I just fin. I have a PhD. I'm 29. I have, I've worked, I've, you know, I've had a job that makes over six figures already. I don't need the money right now. I don't have any kids. I'm just going to get drunk and travel by myself (laughs) and go anywhere I want. And I'd literally buy a ticket same day and go somewhere and like date and, and I don't regret it, but I did, everyone did think I had, like, I remember my mom crying, saying I need therapy. Can I ask what sign you are? I'm just a curious. cancer. Oh, okay. Like my sister. I thought you were Sagittarius almost. No, I w- <laughs> it was like a phase. I'm yeah. very homebody, but it uh, was a phase. And I was like, I'm going to start this brand. And I started this brand and I started trying to get famous people to wear it mm-hmm. and like trying to network and like, and because I didn't have an agenda, I end the life ended up bringing me into like really cool since I love fashion I ended up being like front row at fashion week and being friends with I remember I went to like the Rihanna party and I was with Jeremy Scott and I became friends with all these like huge people that if you know even if I tried to do it I don't think I could but because I was just so fun and I didn't care yeah and this was right when social media was barely starting so like people were not doing it for the gram it was Uh more like real like yeah you know um you know having a good time you know like having a good time so I created all these connections. I could do this brand, and and that's all I was doing, basically. What did your family say at that point? I they <laughs> really were giving me talks. Like we went mm-hmm. to Japan. Like I think my uncle cried. Like people wow. were like, yes. Like my sister, one of my cousins, I remember, unfollowed me on social media. She's like, I can't. Like what handle. were the comments? Like what were they saying though? <laughs> Like the gist of it. I mean, they were just, they were just thought I was crazy. They wow. just like, what are you so doing? So they did like an intervention kind of thing. Yes, there was constant <laughs> interventions by all my friends. All, uh, everyone um, that was my friends with m- myself and my ex-husband was like, she went crazy. Wow. She like, not like, I mean, I never have done drugs or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like people's crazy is different, but you know, it was drinking, going out, mm-hmm. like dating, whatever. But for me, I went to school for 10 years and I finished while people are still deciding what and, major and, and they want. And let me ask you, were you not maybe you weren't party right well well, you were going to school so maybe you were trying to be like okay I'm just gonna have a little fun over here yeah that's how I felt I did I mean obviously I did do things when I was in school I was not like I was not like a monka but and yes I don't talk about it but going to school is very hard Mm -hmm. it took a lot out of me it took a lot of me watching people go to Vegas and me not attending did you have your daughter at this point no okay I was didn't have kids all I had was school I went to school full time I worked full time Mm -hmm. and I was married full time Mm-hmm. So it took a lot out of me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, once I lost my marriage, and I, I left my job, and that's what I did. Okay, so then you started having a lot of fun, mm-hmm. uh, pushing your fashion brand, mm-hmm. and then what, what, what happened after that? So the real turning point was honestly when I got pregnant. Okay. I think I'm very spiritual, mm-hmm. and I feel like everything I pray for happens mm-hmm. because I genuinely want it and God or the universe gives it to me in the way that in a mysterious way so I felt a little lost I was like going out partying meeting Mm -hmm. different people and then I was like God like now I want direction like okay I'm good I want direction but I was so all over the place I was living in Miami you Mm -hmm. know whatever you know I met someone and I got pregnant and everyone this is this is like a real for me very emotional because everyone told me do not have a baby like don't don't have your baby Every wow. single person was like, get an abortion, don't have a baby. Wow. And you know, that's really hard because I didn't even ask people. People would call me and be like, so are you going to get an abortion? And I'm like, okay. You know, wow. so. But for me, I felt like I was 30 years old and I don't not do things because they're hard. Mm-hmm. 
and I decided to have my kid. And at that time, I was like running out of my savings. I had barely any money left. So it was probably the worst time. I had no support from my family, like barely any. Mm -hmm. And I decided to have my kid. But uh, that was the turning point because then those nine months, I had to think, okay, you're gonna have a kid. So now you have to go back on like, it's like from square one again. Now it's Mm -hmm. like starting school again, but real life. You have to gear up to make something happen. Get Mm -hmm. a job, do something work. So that's basically what happened. And ever since, it's been three years and I can't believe where I am now, but I can't because I told myself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's basically the turning point of the party phase. (laughs) Well, I think we all need it at some point. Yeah. Because when I was in school too, I didn't. I was such a nerd like growing up, I told you. So I didn't party at all until like, I think I first started going out when I was like 24 or something. My first kiss was like 22. Like I was like, oh wow, just like so, not behind because really there's no timeline. But then later on, you know, I had, I got married and then that ended up bad. And then I I needed my phase of like, well, I'm just going to have a good time. I'm going to know what it's like to freaking go to a club or dance or do this or that so i think it's important that we all kind of get to experience the things that we're curious about and that maybe we didn't get to and if you want to and if you don't that's okay too right like everybody's different but i'm really glad that you kind of like went through that and then would you say that having or getting pregnant kind of grounded you maybe made you think differently about you know your life or what where you wanted to go with it yeah i think that getting pregnant i mean it sounds a little bit more dramatic than it really was. I think getting pregnant was like for me, okay, now it's the next phase of my life. And I'm someone that's every phase I've lived to the fullest. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've traveled to 72 countries. I've gone, I've known so many different people. And to me, I, even though everyone told me do not have a kid, I was like, I can do it. I can Mm -hmm. do it. And I don't, not that this is bad, but I didn't feel like I was like 16 and pregnant. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Like I haven't lived life. Like I have a PhD. I've traveled over the world. I've done everything. I like, we just went out mm-hmm. rage for like two years, you know, like it's fine. So I did it. And then, yeah, I think the hardest but most rewarding part of my life started. I think that these past three years have been the best, hardest years of my life. So, mm. yeah. And I met her and she's super cute. Mm-hmm. She's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Roman, she's fun. So then what happened after that? Like, what did you, because you're doing more like than just the fashion line. You, you're you doing PR, you have an agency. So tell me a little more about that. So I didn't have it at the time. So I remember I, so I give a lot of thanks to Roman's dad because he is in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And when I was pregnant, I was watching him like, He manages very famous artists. So I was watching like how he worked and I started reading and researching and starting to like look at the back end of fashion Mm -hmm. and industry, The you know, because I wasn't going to be like a singer or a model or something. Mm -hmm. I always knew I wanted to do something in the background. So I I had her and I was so confused. I was like reaching out to different places, trying to manage and do PR for different artists. And when I say I was trying to do this, I was doing everything for free. I would like... If you ask me, can I do something for you? I would do it for free because mm-hmm. I wanted the experience. Right, right. But everyone, again, was telling me, why are you doing this now? Yeah. Why are you, like, interning for things now <laughs> when you just had a kid yeah. and you have a PhD? Yeah. You know, I would go into and be like, can I do... I would basically ask people to clean their floors if I could watch Aww. them work. And my family, again, was like, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. But I'm crazy, I guess, because I'm like, no, I want to do this. And I remember I went to Fashion Week. I always got asked to go and be in front of but mm-hmm. that means nothing unless you're working, right? Mm-hmm. So I went and I asked my, I remember asking my PR friends like about different people and they were telling me tricks to the trade about influencing. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, this person, like they started this company because they're an influencer. So I started like asking questions, but I'm, I have this thing where I can ask questions and people will just tell me because they don't think like I have like a deep, you know, like they'll tell me information probably overboard so oh. they were telling me yeah I'm sure that happens to you too like you you know yeah. information and I I realized like I needed one big opportunity I was like I need one big opportunity I feel mm-hmm. like I have enough knowledge now I yeah. can do it so I remember in New York crying I was crying praying have you ever cried prayed yes. screamed oh yeah I like screaming to God God give me one big opportunity 
and I will, I promise you, I will (laughs) roll with that opportunity so hard. I will make a company out of it. Like I will become who I am because of this opportunity. Yeah. And months later, I got the opportunity of my life. I was asked by an agency to do the campaign for Obama and J Balvin. Wow. Well, I I had to Mm -hmm. pick the artist. I was Mm -hmm. like between Drake and Backstreet Boys and I picked J Balvin. So that obviously leveraged me. People were like, who's this girl? Like for her to be able to get Obama that doesn't do anything anymore. And J Balvin, who's Mm -hmm. like the biggest superstar on tour together. Mm -hmm. Like who is this girl? And it was more about the exposure. And after that, it was like... I started getting clients. I started working. And mm-hmm. I mean, now I have an agency. I have employees. Like, I didn't take a break. I mm-hmm. worked my ass off. And then I'm sure you, I mean, like you, like you having this. Yeah. I worked my ass off. And then I blink. And now I have a full-time employee. <laughs> and now I have a, and now I'm sitting here. There's yeah. a photo shoot going yeah. on with superstars. And I'm like. In LA. In LA. In downtown LA. In downtown yeah, LA. Awesome. Next Congrats. to Staples Center. My, yeah. my showroom is not rinky-dinky. It's yeah. like. Prime real estate, you can drive up. Yes. And we survived coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Like, it's good. I wish I knew because I've stayed downtown LA so many times. And if I knew that you were down the street, I would Now I know. Now you know. Now that we are. can't travel. Now that we can't places. travel. Well, we're open. Yeah. No, it's it's just like you. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's basically, obviously, there's a lot of, you know, you're an entrepreneur. So you know mm-hmm. how, like, one day you could be, like, the happiest person on earth. The other day you're, like, think you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if it's not for everyone, um, but I love it. I mean, I, I, am my own boss. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was little, my mom would tell me, Yermita, you have to be your own boss. You have to be able to make your own schedule. Wow. That's all you need in life. Yeah. <laughs> and so I always said, I have to have my own schedule. Yeah. And to this day, I have people that tell me, you, I, you can't do this. You can't do that. And I do want to dive into that a little more because you're sitting here and there's a really important photo shoot happening in LA. So we're in San Diego right now. Um, but because of the way you've structured your business, you're, you can't do that, right? Yes. Um, when you're starting out as an entrepreneur and even people after a few years sometimes can't do that yet. Like we become an entrepreneur to have more freedom, but then understandably so, you know, we are so busy working on our business that sometimes we kind of forget to take time for ourselves. So how did you find the way to kind of find that balance? There's no perfect balance, but kind of find that sweet spot. I was kind of talking about this yesterday where, you know, now you have the luxury to say, okay, I can do this because there's a team over there taking care of things. Because I don't think every entrepreneur can do that yet. So how do you? How did you switch from like being the super busy entrepreneur that maybe didn't have the freedom to now you have a freedom and you can delegate and you have a team? Well, first of all, I don't like how people snare at educated people and they're like, you don't have to go to school. To-. I mm-hmm. went. To, I got a PhD in organizational leadership. Mm-hmm. I can organize. <laughs> groups of people to do stuff like I went to school I did dissertation on it I get like the psychology Mm -hmm. behind people working and you not being Mm -hmm. present Mm -hmm. and that's like my little secret of like years of experience Mm -hmm. of work but I think that um how I did it is I had a you have to set goals and expectations um I my my timeline is my daughter when the Mm -hmm. second she was born I I, and I don't know anything about kids just like I knew nothing about the business Mm -hmm. I would ask moms when do you need to spend more time with them? And they're like, huh? I'm like, no, when do you need to be there with the child all the time? They're like, well, in the beginning, it doesn't, you know, it matters, but you can leave them longer because they're babies. Okay. And then when they turn three or four, that's when they notice that you're gone and they start crying and it's really hard. I was like, okay, so one, two, I need, a, I need <laughs> hustle. to hustle yeah. because she can be with the nanny. She can be, yeah. you know, and now I want to be with her all the time. So mm-hmm. um, I think that organizing yourself and not mm-hmm. micromanaging and trusting people. I, I think I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they forget that every step, once they get to a certain point, they stop taking risks. Mm-hmm. And I think that to keep growing, you have to keep taking risks. Like today, I'm taking a huge risk. Mm-hmm. And you have to trust your team, right? You have to trust. You have to trust. You have to, you have to take risks. And you need to know when to test like those risks. Like for example, we've done many photo shoots before and it was maybe on people that weren't as famous so I know that they can do it and then you know so the risk is not so big when it's someone super famous Mm -hmm. and so on but um but yeah I think I think entrepreneurs once they get to a certain spot they kind of stay stuck because they won't keep taking bigger risks and I see that with a lot of I have so many clients and entrepreneurs I Mm -hmm. see that that's the problem they're like okay I'm here now 
and the next big thing is like investing more money mm-hmm. or you know the power or mm-hmm. something that it's hard mm-hmm. because it's your baby i'm sure it's the right. same thing oh, for yeah. you here i totally get that that's yeah. why i love to hear from other entrepreneurs like how they manage or what in- inspires you and i think for you it's your daughter from mm-hmm. what you're saying that you had that concern okay i want to be with her so i'm going to set this boundary and i think sometimes when you're single or don't have a kid then it's a little bit harder because it's easier to say okay i'll just be working 24 7 so i just encourage everyone to find something an inspiration whether it's your daughter you want to travel or you just want your mental health to be like reasonably on point uh, do take the time to you know separate work from your life and just yes. find that little balance which is not perfect but find something like that i know i need it personally when i go like a month working you're a workaholic hard, yeah and then i'm like i i can feel it for me it's my body talks to me i feel mm-hmm. like and it's like when my body starts either getting a little bit anxious or whatnot i'm like okay this is time that i need to stop and i need to go somewhere travel somewhere something take a break but you've set break. yourself up up that you live right here yes like, so, so so you're doing like what I did but like yeah. different you know like you, you're smart I think that women sometimes are more logistically quick um, oh yeah to we, be like yes. I feel like it's also a very Latina thing like yeah. I'm gonna live right next to where yeah. I work or yeah I'm going so that's to... something that happened for me right before COVID so oh. I was living downtown and then we got the space here in Mission Hills I don't know if people are familiar with the areas but um we decided okay let's move somewhere closer to where and this is before we knew COVID was going to happen, but I'm so grateful that we did that because now, like you said, I have that flexibility um, to go back and forth from home to work. And even then, I tried to like, okay, after three, four or five, depending on what day, I'm like, I'm done with work. I'm not going inside the space. I'm just going to be at home or go out or, you know, go eat, whatever. So I think it's good to find that balance. And I recommend for entrepreneurs out there to do that. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit more because... I think they're, you know, like if I look at your Instagram before meeting you, before talking to you, right? I see this gorgeous, influential, badass entrepreneur and that's all great and it's all true. But then I got to know you personally and we've had really deep conversations Mm -hmm. and you are actually like a person that, you know, as much as you've accomplished for yourself, you really care about other people. You really care about certain causes and supporting women. And I want to talk a little more about that because I do want to dispel that stereotype that like, okay, you know, maybe influencers are into themselves or like if you look a certain way, you're into yourself and that's all you care about. So I want you to talk a little about like the causes that you're passionate about and maybe some of the things that you might have heard in the past that the, the stereotypes and the misconceptions from like people that don't know you personally. You know, I don't really know if my social media account really explains who I am, Mm -hmm. truly, Mm -hmm. but I want it to be that way Mm -hmm. because I feel like I use social media for work and I'm a very straightforward person Mm -hmm. and I want people to perceive me in the work environment. Right. Like if my private life and who I am, I think that... I I admire you as an entrepreneur and I see us on, on like the same level of like things that we are into so Mm -hmm. I can be vulnerable with you but I feel like unfortunately more for women I feel like when I've been vulnerable in the workspace people have taken advantage of me Mm -hmm. so I have actually worked really hard to make my social media make me look perfect and I'm very (laughs) honest to people I'm Mm -hmm. like I won't I honestly won't see people unless I look perfect because I feel like I need clients. I need people to I need people to be perfect with me to work because I'm trying to grow my brand. I'm trying to grow my um, my agency to be huge and to be excellent. Mm-hmm. So I need to have that bar for myself mm-hmm. and for others. But obviously, I have a vulnerable side, and I yeah. you know and people. But yes, I'm sure people think that I'm like just into my looks and just into me. But I mean, I think when people really get to know me is like the mm-hmm. important part. I don't, I don't really, um, I don't know how, I don't know how you feel. I don't really find any satisfaction in really explaining myself to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's maybe the part of maturity that I've reached, but also like, it's a, it's like a, I mean, we, we already talked about, I think it's also like a downside because then you, sometimes people also take advantage of that. So I don't Can know. Can you expand a little on that? We've talked about it. I would love to share that with the audience. Just not caring to explain yourself. I love that. And you don't yeah. have to explain yourself. Yeah. So what led you to that? To being at that point in your life? 
Um, I think that I used, I'm a cancer, so I'm very mm-hmm. emotional. I think I used to spend a lot of time trying to make people like figure out I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. Like literally, mm-hmm. I think, I think I used to hang out with people and be like, I'm going to prove to this person I'm a good person. Wow. And after a while I realized I'm like, no, like why, why am I, why am I doing like, they have mm-hmm. to prove it to me, you know, like, right. what, what is going on with me? You know, how mm-hmm. is this even productive? So I think that, um, and I think that comes with maturity. I think mm-hmm. that. While still I have some times where I get sad because people don't get me, quote mm-hmm. unquote, I find I find a little bit of like mischievousness and happiness with like people thinking I'm a certain way and I'm really right. something else. Um, my friends from high school always joke around. They're like, I guess they're like, oh, everybody thinks this of you, but we know that you're this huge nerd. That's yeah. like, because I'm a huge dork mm-hmm. and I'm super loony and I'm not super girly as people mm-hmm. think. I'm not girly at all, probably, <laughs> but it's fun. I mean, I, I, I kind of like it. It's almost like a, an, uh, sometimes like even an ultra ego, ego type thing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it comes with you too. I mean, you're the boss of this business business and people I mean at the end of the day it's a business so people expect a certain thing and a a certain level of um for you a certain level of um I don't want to say strictness but like um professionalism professionalism, you know at least what we think of it yeah Yeah. because because you know the general public they need a certain level of professionalism Mm -hmm. and that's like that's important no, I totally get that. Like, I'm a total dork, too. I'm actually, like, really goofy. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I I think I found, like, that little outlet for me through TikTok. Like, I'm goofy in person, but, like, in my social media, I wouldn't necessarily, like, portray that. And then when I started using TikTok, I started be doing these goofy videos. And then I had some people reach out from my Instagram. They were like, I had never seen this side of you. Obviously, people that don't know me personally, just through uh, Instagram. So they'd be like, oh, I've never seen this side of you. And I'm like, that's, that's me. That's that's me like 51% of the time and then obviously like you said we do have the times where we have to be professional or we have to be taking care of business and yeah I'm not gonna be goofing around or sometimes I do too you know <laughs> you do yeah. behind the scenes right like yeah. I turn off the podcast thing and then we're gonna be laughing about something dumb or whatever yeah. right so I love that you're sharing that and I think it's important because I myself went through that phase and I think a lot of women go through that phase and like you said part of it it's just growing out of it, owning ourselves. And I think the older we get, it's a little bit easier to own who we are mm. and not try to people please. However, I still encounter women and myself sometimes. I find myself trying to people please, trying to explain myself or show, you know, like my perspective or how I was misunderstood or whatever. So what do you use to remind yourself? Like if you ever catch yourself in that spot to, okay, I'm, you know what? No. Um, when, pe- I mean, people are, I mean, people, the honestly is people are bullies. Like mm-hmm. people will, I agree. people will, f- some people, I think when you're a good person and I consider myself genuinely, and I think you yeah. like a good heart. You don't really think people are bad people. Mm-hmm. Like I genuinely, when I meet someone, I, you I'm glad that I, I, and I'm not just saying this. My friends will say, they're like, Irma, you think everything, you mm-hmm. see everything as an opportunity. Like, yeah. I, you will tell me we spilled the coffee and I'll be like, oh my gosh, have you seen those artists that do like coffee, yeah. pictures of spilled coffees? <laughs> like, I'm very optimistic. But I think that what's really important is that, okay, yes, there's bad people, but there's people also that project their insecurities. Yeah. You know? And I think that once you really like ask yourself, why is this person saying this? Why is this person doing this? you realize that they're projecting their own insecurity. I mean, if they tell you you can't do something, it maybe it's because they can't, mm-hmm. you know? Or they I, wouldn't do it. I or... remember telling, I remember being in the kitchen of my ex-husband's mom's house, telling his sister, I'm going to get a PhD and I'm going to have a baby and I'm going to go, I'm going to stop working and I'm going to get a PhD and, and, and have a baby at the same time. She's like, I'm a mom and you cannot do that. Wow. And I wasn't a mom at the time, so I was like, okay, like, maybe that's, that can't happen. Like, maybe it can't. So then what did I do? I went on LinkedIn and found a mom that's getting a PhD. And I asked her, (laughs) are you, what are you doing? She's like, oh, it's great. I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe if she, and then I thought if she can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. But what, what, and she didn't, she's not a bad person. Mm -hmm. She was literally projecting that she couldn't do Mm -hmm. it. And, Mm -hmm. and that's fine. I mean, I can't be a skateboarder. Like I Mm -hmm. really cannot. And so but if you tell me you want to be a professional skateboarder, it's because I think I can't. So, you know, right, a certain right. extent. Right. Yeah. So that totally makes sense. So I think that when people tell you things or make you feel a certain way, it's their insecurity. And as Latinas, I think that 
my family is very conservative. Like, people around me, I grew up with people mm-hmm. very conservative. You get married, you have kids, da-da-da. And that's happiness. And I do know that people behind my back say, like, oh, está divorciada, y tiene mm-hmm. una hija, y no yeah. se casó con él, y, you know, like, yeah. all these things. And, and it's like, because you can't find happiness in that. Mm-hmm. I can. Mm-hmm. So that's, once you figure that out for yourself, then, like, those things don't bother you anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I love what you're saying because I think people don't realize how conservative, like Americans don't realize how conservative um, Latinos are. Yes. Like I think, you know, people cause people think of immigrants and Latinos, so they think, oh, well, they're immigrants. So like, be, like, I don't know if they think that they're super liberal because of that or something, but Latinos are actually, for the most part, right? Like there's different people, but especially the older generations, they're pretty conservative. They're pretty... Um, still like okay the this is what women do this is what men do you know this is these are the expectations of women almost every single time I'm with like a, a, a person that's actually from Mexico right like someone that immigrated here like an older woman like they'll say things to me like oh make sure you serve him food before he gets home or like things like that you know yeah. like these gender stereotypes and and for me it's really interesting because I think unless you experience that and I think a lot of Latinas can relate to this and understand but the rest of the culture I don't think they understand how conservative Latinos are yes. and even when it comes to politics and so it's it's really interesting and I really love to hear that perspective I myself too like I said I was like really grew up surrounded by that by those beliefs too so I totally get it and I really love that you're kind of like shattering that and just living your own life and doing your own thing so what what are you working on now like what's a project that's dear to your heart right now well, right now, my agency, I have an employee. He's finally full-time. Yay. And um, I'm and during to... COVID, which is yeah. impressive. I haven't even said this, but COVID became my strength. I mean, wow. my, my, my weakness became my strength because, remember, I was the person that couldn't attend everything. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out how to, like, do everything without oh, attending it. because I had a mm-hmm. daughter. So when this all happened, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, we can't work because we can't go to work. <laughs> Which is normal, right? Yeah, like you can't yeah. do it. And for me, I was like, I'm already used I've to. I've been doing it. Yeah. I've been, I've been in quarantine. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I've been having to find my someone to take care of my kids so I can. I remember I used to go to red carpet events and drive home at 3 a.m. and wake up at 5 a.m. to wow. be with my daughter. Like mm-hmm. I didn't go to party everyone because yeah. I had to. So it was our strength. So we really pushed through. We went virtual. Mm-hmm. We went virtual. We did all of the exposure online. If people really took advantage of the internet, I think it's the most magical thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, my baby is that we also launched the magazine during COVID. Mm-hmm. And it did really well. And we are gearing up for the next, the two next um, issues. And of course, everyone told me, nobody reads magazines. Why are you doing a magazine? Nobody cares about magazines. What is your magazine geared on? You have to have a pitch. You have to have this. You're never written a magazine. Da, 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 da. And here I am with a magazine. And So can you tell me a little bit more about your magazine, what it's about? So it is... It is minority driven, so mm-hmm. I want to um, I want to focus on different cultures, primarily Latin because we're a Latin mm-hmm. agency. Mm-hmm. But we want to have other cultures. So like our first edition had um, you know a writer from Japan and mm-hmm. it was in Japanese, and we had a, a writer from Israel and it was in Israeli. Wow! So multicultural, and yes, it revolves around fashion and entertainment mm-hmm. of all kinds. Cool. Um, so yeah, so it's our, our baby and we're learning. It's not like, you know, it's not Vogue or anything. I just had one edition, but you know, I think it looks good and it, and it, it's going to grow and. Well, congratulations. Uh, yeah. That's huge. I love yeah. it how you say everything. Like, it's just like, oh, I'm just doing this, but it's huge. Yeah. And it's an accomplishment. So congratulations. Yeah. I think it's really smart that you're not letting what's happening right now stop you from starting and doing the things that you wanted to do. Well, somebody, um, I think you did an interview with, um, you, we did a live with Chris Adams one of my clients, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he told me all the biggest entrepreneurs, the biggest companies grew through recessions. Yeah, and, and when I heard that, that, I was like, mm-hmm. well, then I have to do it too. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I have to do it too. I have to, and we doubled during COVID. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We got more clients. We worked harder. My clients got more exposure, mm-hmm. but it's because everyone's on the internet. I'm confused with why people are not taking more advantage. Mm-hmm. So I think um, a lot of it has to do with, there are so many aspects to why people don't do things fear limiting beliefs etc when it comes to COVID I think there is at least when I think about my own journey I did launch new things and projects while like took advantage of the situation to say okay you know what before I never had time to stop now that 
this is happening and I'm home most of the time. And you started this. I have time, for example, to, yeah, to build this or to uh, do my webinar, you know, that I've been wanting to do for the longest time, but I was always in the back burner, etc. But I also did experience times when I was like, you know what, this is crazy. Like this world is the kind of world that you see in, in movies, you know, and I'm living through it and I'm going to have a mental breakdown, you know. I love to travel. That was one of the biggest things for me that triggered me was, okay, I love to travel and when am I going to be able to travel again, right? So I think there's a lot of things that, you know, that people, but going back to that point too, is now it's covid back then was something else and in the future is going to be something else there's always going to be an excuse there's always going to be something that might deter you from following your dreams so what i do want to say is who cares like do it anyway because there's always going to be something on the way in the way it's never going to be easy it's never going to be perfect so we just have to do it and that's what i tell people you just have to do it use this time find opportunity in this time which i i love the way that you think and thinking okay this is the time when i'm gonna accomplish things mm-hmm. Um, if you could share one piece of advice with women, I mean, most of our listeners are women, so if you could share one piece of advice, what would it be? Don't chase men. <laughs> I love that. That's like true. Yes. I don't know why. I feel like this generation chases men so bad. And use your your weaknesses for strength. I think that, you know, I think that sometimes when we're women and we fight it and we're like, we are women and like, you know, sometimes I feel like men are like, oh, you're being so crazy. Mm-hmm. But if you're just sweet women, people open doors for us all the time that we don't even really need to make a big deal about. Just keep going, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think using women as empowerment and not, and this is going to sound horrible, but I think that women need to cut back on expressing our vulnerability to men. I think it's giving them too much. Okay, I like that. Can you expand a little more? I, and this is maybe controversial, I know that there's a big movement in women of saying we are women together, small business, empowering. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's cool internally, but I feel like men don't see that that way. I think that it's a men's club when you get higher up in the, in the, mm. in the world of entrepreneurship and finance. I think it's an all-guys club. It still is. I don't. Whoever is listening to this says no, they're lying. And I think that when we tell our vulnerable stories to men, um, I think sometimes they block it out and they see us as weak. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying never do it. I just think that in the time that we are right now, I think we still need to keep building to put ourselves in power and put women in power to like guide us and give us the hand to like scale up. I know that sounds really crazy and I know a lot of people don't agree with me. <laughs> I'm trying to process what you're saying as you're speaking. Like, yes. okay, let me, let me try to understand what you're trying to say. I think the way that I see it, and I think you did raise a good point, is that unless we have the power, unless we are the politicians as well, and we're the CEOs as well, and like we have all these other powers, um, you know, there's only so much that we can say right now and actually make an impact unless we're in those positions of power and and women are funded as much as men, why not? Yes. However, my thought is too, is um, we need to be in those tables but I think because what you're saying is true, because those tables are still ran by men, those conference rooms are still ran by men. I come from corporate too. So um, I think this is where I try to build my own table, right? This is where like I say, okay, that corporate table was full of men. I was the only woman, the only Latina. Therefore, now I'm an entrepreneur. I'm building my own table. But this is something that's super important is women when we do build those tables let's put other women there too because otherwise we're only continuing to and this is for women of power women influencers and celebrities and whatnot if i build a table and then i have 12 men there and i'm the only woman i'm only continuing that trend and then when are women really gonna be not the majority not more powerful than men but just equal. So that's kind yeah. of like the way that I'm understanding what you're, t- what you're saying. I get what you're saying about, you know, I think not just to men, but we do have to be careful how vulnerable we are to others. I think there's a time and place and I mm-hmm. think there's people that we can safely be vulnerable with. Yes. And there's also people, whether men or even other women, that it's not necessarily safe or maybe it's just not the place, right? Yes. Like if I'm working, like you said, we're entrepreneurs. So if I'm working with a huge client and this person has a lot of influence and there's a certain level of respect that needs to be there for us to work together, I have experienced that. I have experienced that in the past to kind of like go along with your point and support what you're saying. 
that I've opened up to someone and then that kind of made the relationship dynamic change because now they're seeing you differently Mm -hmm. and now they're seeing you like oh maybe you're not as powerful or this or that as I thought and sadly I ideally we would like to say well that should be safe all the time but it isn't always so we have to be I do believe we have to be uh, trust our instinct because I feel that deep down we do know when it's safe or not but we still either are either closed off or we are too open sometimes or we are open to the wrong people so I do kind of see what you're saying and and the reason why I wanted to explain that is because I I could see how that's controversial in a way but also there's a lot of wisdom to it and i and i've seen both sides and i've seen also like don't be completely closed off or don't be closed off to everyone in your life you know but finding and kind of just following your instinct i think because i think deep down we do know yeah i definitely think what i think is is i'm never in a place where i have to express it so yeah right i do think it's controversial i do i do think it, it goes a little bit against i don't want to call it a trend but like the movement that's going on right now but it's just because I do think, and this is going to sound bad, I do think women are not good at helping other women succeed. And it's a huge problem. And I think that until we get women in power that are genuinely mm-hmm. looking out for other women and having real strategies, mm-hmm. I don't know like where we really stand. And it's true because just because we're all hanging out and talking about it doesn't mean we're helping anyone. Mm-hmm. And that, and that so, and I agree with you. And I think that comes from your background with education and and having a PhD in leadership, organizational leadership, and we do have to have a strategy. I do agree in that. We do need to have action steps. We need to, we need to have a plan. Also, women like a lot of hand-me-downs, and we need to stop. Like, we need to stop. A lot of women that I that I know, it's crazy. The the people that ask me for free services are women. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, so it's what, true. So what I would love to hear, like, for you to expand on that point and say... What are some ways that you think we can do better? We can empower each other better. We can support each other better. And not just talking about it, but actually taking action. I think that finances has a lot to do with it. And I think that women showing financial backing for themselves really, not and not just talking about it, really mm-hmm. proving it, mm-hmm. really puts you at the table with important people and gaining respect of men. Because we are very, I'm to blame too, we're very um, hypocritical and that we're like, we want to be where the men are. But then it's like, oh, well, men have to still kind of take care of us. And I'm still like that. I'm still like, oh, you know, if I go out to eat with a, guy, a man, like they have to take care of me, you know, like, mm-hmm. so it, it's a hard place. Like we always want, women kind of want hand-me-downs and, you know, do you really respect someone that wants that, you know, mm-hmm. so... I love this conversation. I could literally talk about this for days. but And I know uh, I'm very controversial. And yeah. It's just through real life experiences and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. lived that. Yeah. No, you're, I, not, I, you're not someone. I've you're seen someone. it. I, I've seen it. But I've seen people that like, if it was a guy, a guy would pay me back. It's a woman. Oh, I have to forget. Mm-hmm. Or if it, oh, I have services. A man, and this is for women here. Men will call. Let's not complain because men will call me. Be like, how much does your service cost? And I'll say it. I'll be like, okay, call you back and they'll sign up or not. Mm-hmm. A woman will be like, oh, well, like, I don't, you know, I'm a mom and, da, da, and for, like, you know, like, let's all have our backbone. Like, yeah. And when we have that, people will take us more seriously and not just like put up signs saying we're small businesses, like really working our ass off mm-hmm. and really putting, investing money where we want services and things. That's the only way we're going to be different. I, I think there is a, a balance to that because when it comes, for example, to give you an example, right? Mm-hmm. I love talking about this. <laughs> um, so, women are starting businesses way faster than men right Mm -hmm. i forget what the number is i don't want to mess it up so it's like a huge a way bigger rate maybe like three times faster or something like that yet we are entirely underfunded this is not something that women are just saying or playing victim this is like stats right like you can go to silicon valley and you can see that most of the companies are male funded funded and that's not to say because i don't think that we can say that it's because women are not as creative or coming up with uh, ideas or startups right again they're building three times faster or whatever they're building faster than men so however it does give you an advantage you know if you if you're a man and you you try to go to a bank and try to get a loan and you're approved and then if you're a woman and you are maybe scrutinized more and maybe questioned more or like 
people are not as confident that you can grow a company so you don't get the funding, right? Let's just compare two individuals, a man and a woman. So if this woman is over here trying to, you know, build just like bootstrapping because it, she didn't get the funding and then there's the same man maybe starting the same company next door with all the funding, right? Isn't that going to make a difference? Isn't that going to make a difference in what the man can access and go and say, yo, yeah, I'm going to go and pay that marketer. I'm going to go and pay that PR person to grow my company. I'm going to go and pay that lawyer to fight for my trademark and whatnot. And then here's the other woman that maybe does have to bootstrap or say, huh, maybe I can find a partner that can help me with this. Maybe and trying to get creative in ways because her money is more limited. Now, that's not to say that it's impossible to do it, right? But just coming from someone that, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur to a female entrepreneur. Yes, I've, I've done everything that you're saying, like work hard, you know, make it happen, backbone, everything. However, we can't deny that there's still that disparity, that there's mm -hmm. still that, well, of course, it's going to be easier for you to pay because you got the funding to pay for it, right? Like companies like Airbnb, when they're getting billions of dollars, they can hire the 100 people team in the beginning and make it all happen fast and whatnot, right? So I think there's a balance to that. Now, having said that, at the same time, that doesn't mean I'm just going to sit at home and just cry about it or just complain about it and say, mm -hmm. oh, I'm not even going to try to grow my business or try to like, you know, get ahead because of the disparities and whatnot. So I, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because there are statistics that support a lot of the limitations. But again, I do agree that we do, we can still take action, make it happen, mm -hmm. but it is challenging. It is more mm -hmm. challenging. Oh it's, yeah, it's you know, way like more the numbers show it. Like it's just, it's just out there. And I do think it's important that as we grow, we make it a point, like you said, well, let's pay women so that, you know, they can get paid. And then like, we don't have this huge income disparity that we have, right? Same with work, even if you're not an entrepreneur, like it's the numbers show that women get paid on the dollar with the same job, same experience, same degree, less than men. So yeah, it's a little bit harder. Like the men can go and buy certain things that maybe the woman can't. Um, I experienced that when I was starting my, my job um, in corporate, when I was like, just getting started where, you know, I had people that I hired onto my team and they were getting paid more than oh, I wow. in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. um, where I was like, and I eventually I spoke up about it and I could say something about it, but not every woman does or not every woman knows mm -hmm. because I just found out by chance you know, after a while and whatnot. So it's like if my intern is getting paid more than me, where I wasn't high up yet, but I was already like building a team. And so these are things that actually do happen. And I think one of the things that we can do, like you said, is yes, let's let's work hard and all that. But also once we can, and this is something that I did when I started my business, I bootstrapped and in the beginning it was hard. But as I started to grow, that's when I started to say, okay, as I can, I will pay women. And I will mm -hmm. choose women over men. And it's not to, you know, to be sexist or anything. I love men. I'm not against men. But I remember I caught myself um, when I had to hire a lawyer for, you know, to do my, to start my trademark. I remember just because a friend recommended this guy and I, you know, I just went there. Like I didn't even think about gender or anything. I was just like, okay, this person recommended this guy. I'm going to go there. And I talked to him and we decided the plan and all that. And then I remember just driving away from his office and it just clicked. I said, you know what? Like, I'm sure there's another woman out there who's a lawyer, who's gonna be just as good. And because men have a little bit of that advantage, I'm just gonna choose to work with a woman. I'm gonna spend the money anyway. So why not go and invest it in a female lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this is where we can start making that difference of being aware. Yes. And again, as we grow, right? As we grow and as we are able to pay, like I've never, if I tried, as you were talking, I was trying to think, well, I've never like, I have done trades with people in the past, but it's always been from a place of honesty. I've mm -hmm. never said someone, oh, I, I can't pay for this when I actually I have the money sitting in the bank and I could pay them, right? And even when you do do those trades, I do always tell women, make sure that it's mutually beneficial. Make sure mm -hmm. that if I'm gonna work with you, collaborate on a project, that you're gonna benefit, if it's not financially, at least benefit in some way right like yeah. like shout that person out like give him credit why not i remember when i was starting my agency in the beginning i was doing branding and i remember like i was doing at first because like going back to what you said women we tend to do this i was you know like if someone had a question about branding and whatnot i would just like happily sit down with them over coffee and just like help them and like pretty much give them a consultation and not charge and just do it for quote unquote being nice right so later on i started realizing like no i i, I can't 
can't do that because that doesn't pay my bills and even though i wanted to help people right there's there has to be that okay i value you you value me so what what really helped me notice at the time was the fact that i had helped these women and i didn't charge but i didn't see that maybe the gratitude of like oh you know what like i'm gonna give her a shout out like she helped me with my brand behind the scenes like in this coffee shop i'm gonna walk away and make a little post and say oh my gosh she's so like thank you so much for helping me with my brand or whatnot like even little things like that and that's where i saw what you're talking about Mm -hmm. and it made me feel like okay wow like you know you're like rebranding on me like for free and there's not even like a mention of that a shout out of that or like even if you're inspired by something and someone's doing and letting them know and this is something that i kind of posted about a couple days ago because i think this is but that closes our doors exactly so that's what i'm saying i'm playing devil's advocate yeah yeah because there's there's value there's value to what you're saying there's a lot of value to what you're saying because they really were not empowering one another we are we're talking about it but you know if it's true again if you can pay pay do pay women and this is where i'm at now like okay I, i can pay i'm gonna pay and even if that means you know even if i'm not rolling the dough right now with covid i still can't pay so i'm gonna pay women if i can't if i absolutely can't how can i support her how can i you know lift her up how can i brag about her do something to offer her value expose you know whatever work she's doing so i think there's a lot of value to what you're saying because we do need to be and we do need to have these conversations because i think too like with the post that i made some women got offended but it's like no we do need to talk about these things because if we're gonna get better together uh, we have to learn together and we have to be open and we have to have this conversation. Yeah. So there's a lot of value. Uh, and I think the best way that for me is just really being able to see both points. And so when you, as you were talking, I was trying to think of like examples that would support what you're saying. And there are um, times out there where we could do better. We could pay. We could maybe uh, rise up to the occasion and say, find a creative way to get something, even if maybe like we don't have it financially, but okay, what can I do? to find opportunity or to create an opportunity that's mutually beneficial. And and I do recommend that for women to try that. And also just, again, if you're gonna pay for a service already, okay, if you're really passionate about supporting women, then go and pay that female lawyer, go and pay that, you know, whatever, female funded coffee shop, you know, like, that kind of stuff and yeah. so i think there's a lot of value to what you're saying and yeah, I'm you really can also grateful. barter like you said yeah barter in a way that's that's cohesive that's fair um so yeah and i'm really glad that you have the courage to say that even though like you said it might be controversial some people might not get it but there's a lot of truth to it and there's always truth yeah in, in both I, I have a client that she has her own business and as we dissected she realized that women ask her for free services all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when she would give it, nobody would give her a shout right, out or anything. Right. So yeah, that's the thing. But also us that we know, it's like you said, people think I'm a bitch because I'll, I will straight <laughs> up tell you, this does not benefit me. Right, right. They'll be like, oh, well, I'm going to do that. I'm like, that, that doesn't Yeah, if that doesn't me. help you, that doesn't I, help, like, you. I don't yeah, really care. Exactly. Like yeah. you have one follower, I really could right. care less that right. you posted, that you yeah. hung out with, I don't know what, whatever yeah. I gave you. Yeah, it has so, to be mutual. It has to make sense for yeah, both parties. So, but that's what I mean. I, I mean, don't ask for pity favors. Yeah, I yeah. think that that's what's important uh, because we do that a lot and I'm a, mm-hmm. we've all done it. I've done mm-hmm. it too. And, and I think that's what would make us... And yes, if there's no actual money, I think that a, a barter that is, you know, it's fair. A, yeah, it's fair. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if Beyonce tomorrow asked me to, you know, if she did a photo shoot and she didn't pay me, like that would be mm-hmm. her being in my presence, maybe enough, you know? Yeah. But maybe me doing a photo shoot means nothing to her. So why would she do it? So, right, right. So, but you have to be honest with yourself about these things. Mm-hmm. The mentality that is wrong is, oh, Beyonce's doing it for me. It's good. She's big. It's j- I deserve it because I'm right. less, so she's helping a woman. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, that yeah. is the mentality right yeah. there mm-hmm. that should go away. Yeah. Because when we start doing that, like, oh, you should help me because I'm a woman. Yeah. Like, that's no. when we discredit yes. ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think it goes back to knowing our value, too. Knowing how to ask for the money. Knowing how to, you know, even, like, women, you know, knowing how to ask for that race. Bringing that up, like, 
I remember when I first had to ask for a raise, I had to do my research and, and come with numbers. You know, I didn't just come and say, I want to get paid more. I had to come in with a printout of like the area that I lived in and that said how much in that position you should get paid and this and that. And I was well under that. So then I had numbers to back up the fact that I did deserve, um, you know, a, a pay raise. So, and it worked, you know, it worked because you can't argue with the numbers. So I think it's also the approach. I'm not going to come in and say, I'm a woman. So I deserve more or you should do this for free. But here are the numbers or here's what I've accomplished or here's why I deserve this. And just knowing our value. I think that's so important. And not just knowing it, but also talking about it and speaking it, like saying it. So that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for the courage. I feel like you're always just saying what you think and that's great. And I love that. Um, so how can people find you? How can they, you know, check you out, get involved, reach out to you? Um, so on social media is good. Um, my agency's Instagram is Burger Rock Media, or you can go on burgerrockmedia.com. And then we have the magazine, Burger Rock Magazine. And then my personal um, Instagram is Burger Rock. I wanted to ask you about the name too. So I always forget. <laughs> it's like not. It's not like a crazy. It's it's a long story, but basically, um, it comes from the song Party Rock. Okay. A thousand years ago, uh-huh. and ba- a thousand years ago, having an Instagram it was to me a filter to make yourself look prettier with mm-hmm. Valencia filter. Mm-hmm. And remember, we used to have like oh, Princess Coco, or like remember people used to not have their name. They used yeah. to be like Diva or Bunny One Hundred. You know, mm-hmm, like something. Mm-hmm, yeah. And mine was just. Party Rock, Burger Rock, oh, and wow. I left it, and it just stuck. And it, and I kept it to start my agency because I felt like it's a very good marketing name. Mm-hmm. And do people Brand ask it. you about it all the time? Or no, no but really. people think my name is Burger. Like, people oh. mail me Irma Burger, and they and people have called me Burger. <gasps> and, like, they think, and they'll call me that, and they don't know my name. I used to not even have my name on my social oh, media, wow. and so it's okay. okay. It has no super, it, but I, I love, I actually love that it, like when you go to my um, showroom, people don't. If unless you know of me, you don't yeah, really think don't of like there's this girl. So you have your private life too. That's good. I think that's very important to mental yeah. health. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so yeah. I don't. Awesome. You know, the influencing part I did because I felt like I needed to gain followers and people to follow my brand. But now mm-hmm. that I have some sort of following, I'm okay with walking away and. Mm-hmm. Just posting work and being in my own personal life, which is work, mm-hmm. and my daughter. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I love learning about it. I love all the uh, nuggets that you share with us. No, thank you. And everyone should come visit you here. It's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's so relaxing. I, that's the energy I put into it every time I come in. I'm like, just make it feel good. <laughs> it feels really good. I love thank it. You. Thank you okay. for having me. Well, thank you everyone for listening. If you want to learn more about Irma, you can go to Burger Rock media on instagram besos Mm -hmm.